0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi and welcome along to the Left On Red podcast. We're back again after a stunning win against West Ham United. So, I've got Raf with me again this week. Lowell's still isolating from coronavirus. He's got another day left, so everything will be back to normal for the Leeds podcast and onwards. But we thought, as the last episode went so positively, we'd pair up again with Raf, who's very kindly stepping in again for Lowell. Yeah. So let's crack on with it.
1: Yeah, I'm pleased to be here, but um, Lowell will be back and better than ever soon enough. Yeah. And a really good game. To uh, I mean, two games in a row now that I've been on the podcast. Uh, a bit of a lucky charm. Three no win against Southampton. Now two 0 win against West Ham. It was a fantastic game. Really good matchday experience as well.
0: Atmos- atmosphere was good. I mean, really good atmosphere. I mean, I was I was there was still some empty seats, but it wasn't anything abnormal. I was expecting a much emptier stadium considering the scare and the the fright that everyone's sort of going through with the new Omicron variant mm. and what the government are telling us. I thought the stadium would be half full maybe like 50% mm. attendance or something but it was pretty full out pretty normal and the fans were really vocal and it was it, it felt normal and like a there was a unity but it kind of felt like it was an escapism an escapism mm. in the sense that all the fans had come and it was like a normal thing the fans could do away from all the the fright that this new variant is giving yeah, us over christmas absolutely. time and stuff
1: i mean i think in the first 10 minutes the west Ham fans were the classic at the emirates your support is fucking shit but um that really quickly drowned away, and it was just a sign that, Do that you know that was what I was thinking
0: it. actually this morning that this whole the Emirates is the Library thing it really is a myth. Like, it's the same at every home stadium, pretty much with 3 pm kickoffs, usually mm. against teams that you expect to be beating at home, where yeah. the away fans are always louder than the home fans. But I mean, in comparison to Old Trafford, which was a 8pm kickoff. Yeah, last week when me and Lowell went to watch that, the away- we were we were amazing as away fans, but the home the home fans had pretty much nothing. Mm. And in comparison, us as home fans at an 8pm kickoff in a London derby against West Ham, yeah, we were really loud for ninety minutes. It was really yeah. good support last night really good support. Yeah, I think we did really well and I think it's
1: maybe maybe that it wasn't a myth back in the late Arsene Wenger days when there was so much negativity, negativity going around in the stadium, banners, a uh, real division between the fans, but I think even if Arteta may be a controversial figure outside the stadium,
0: inside the stadium, it seems to be I really agree. backing the team. I um, do agree. And I really enjoy that. It feels like there's this unity growing that I haven't experienced for many years. or This might be the most united I've felt as a fan base with a team yeah. Since I've been an Arsenal fan, I, maybe because I was little when we were more United, I didn't really realise it mm. so much. But definitely towards the back end of the Wenger years, it wasn't it wasn't like this. The fans are really supporting the players, and they're getting behind the manager as well. At least within the stadium, exactly. and not so much maybe on social media, but that's that's fairly normal in this day and age. Yeah, you're never going to get complete unity in all walks of life, and that's just no, that, that's, that's just, just followed through into Mikel Arteta's Red Army. Oh yes. <laughs> So, getting into the stadium, there was this big sort of hoodoo about having to bring a vaccine passport. Yeah, there was passport. a
1: lot of talk. There was a bit of panic. Uh, you either had to have a lateral flow test from 48 hours ago or have that double vax on the NHS app. But, I mean, it's just... You've seen that um, that Tottenham video of the, the Stewart just kind of like brushing like oh yes yeah and he just like looks when it's the same kind of thing where it's just absolutely no security well, they,
0: as you were going through the 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 queues they were all going get your covid get your covid um, passports out get yeah. your covid passports out and then they followed by not che- like just looking at if you got your phone out of your pocket rather exactly. than actually if what you has
1: your phone, phone out you could have been bbc sport you yeah honestly clearly. i mean yeah. i mean
0: i was i was saying to my dad that i mean i, I have two covid passports on my in my wallet on my phone mm. one's the current one that, that's that's valid, and I have yeah. another one from when we went on holiday in in yeah. August, and that was be... expired. And if I wanted to, I could have just shown them the expired one. They exactly. wouldn't have checked. Yeah. So
1: I think I mean I think they've got to step that game up. So do I for that because I mean numbers are rising and stadium, I, despite the fact it's outside, it's still going to. Do you think it
0: would be a good idea just to shut the Premier League off for one or two match weeks, one or two weeks? know oh, it's tricky though because the oh because if it's if it's one week's worth of football yeah i'm sp- that could help but it's yeah. just so painful for us I'm to live split about.
1: between it because we're getting a bit of momentum as well and i love the festive period of football when there's just games every two or three days uh, you can always get get back home from a day's work or if you're at uni and pop the football on It's what it are you yeah, want to of need course. of course it's wonderful but i mean but that's on from the other fans hand, but a lot of people are dying so you- yeah
0: <laughs> and also if you, if, you, if you if you just look at it from a player's perspective Really and truly, a one week break would help them massively. Yeah, it's the, true. the festive period we
1: love as fans, but it kills you as a player. Absolutely. I mean, and they've got the same thing in Europe uh, when they've got that
0: winter break. And that's probably going to help their, their within football, within the football sphere, their yeah. cases to decrease across the European leagues. Yeah,
1: and not only that, it's if, if if separate games keep on being postponed, then the, the schedule is going to be really tricky to organize especially the fact that it's going to be so clumped up with the winter world cup next season there's going to be so many games in a row if yeah we can we we can't
0: the 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 the, the football authorities can't afford a three-month six-week break and if they're going to do it it has to be now and they have to act quickly and make it one or two weeks and then continue and maybe have some midweek matches in january as you would be having during December, yeah. So that the uh, fixture schedule doesn't overload. Exactly. Anyways, back on the football front, mm. the team showed no sign of sort of stress in terms of the Abamiang situation, Kapsi yeah. situation. They looked like they were un, un, unnerved by it all. Mm.
1: Yeah, they weren't. They weren't nervous at all. And especially, I mean, Lacazette was unbelievable. was went to be his best mate, As and, in, and it didn't 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 it did, didn't, didn't look, seem didn't look to like
0: be, he was upset with the mean In fact, when Lacazette came off. Arteta oh, gave him a humongous hug. I don't mm. know if you, if you saw that. It was I proper mean, really like was he he that. clinged onto him. He yeah, wanted, you know.
1: Yeah, and I think that just shows that. I, maybe that shows that the team have recognised that Aubameyang wasn't the man for the captaincy and that he's made too many mistakes and it's, it was the right
0: decision from McCullough. Just on the captaincy, though, what do you make of this whole leadership group situation going mm. on? I, I personally think it's because the club don't know what they're doing with Lacazette's contract situation Yeah, and Granit Xhaka can't be given the captaincy yeah. and then the guys that they want to give it to in line, are, they feel are too young and inexperienced maybe, yeah, like Kieran Tierney or Gabriel or Ramsey. To, to have that responsibility right now. I agree. I, th- I think their weight,
1: they're just giving it to five or six players just just for kind of a short-term solution. But I think they wouldn't need that if they knew what they were doing with Lacazette, if they knew that he was going to... I think if they
0: it. knew they were giving Lacazette a two-year contract, they'd Ex- give him the captaincy. Absolutely, because he yeah. deserves
1: it because he's, he's an experienced player. He's Now that Bam Yang's maybe not going to be part of the team so much, he's going to be our starting striker, leading from the
0: front. Me and my dad were saying this because, oh my God, how good he was yesterday. But mm. we were, we were saying, imagine you just... Tell Lacazette that I have faith in you, you're my mm. number nine, you're starting, you're playing 90 minutes, you don't have to worry about being hooked after 60 minutes yeah. or coming on off the bench every game, Yeah. you're the main guy, with that focus and that mindset, we could see a different animal, because last season when he was starting, he had the second best goal conversion in the, I think it was actually the best, I think Kane was the second best, I think Lacazette had the best shot, goals per shot, um, statistics in really? the Premiership last season And his minutes were, were were far fewer Than players like Kane Yeah,
1: and I think he's got that mentality Where he keep, he really wants to keep on playing football for Fighting for the team he, You can tell he loves the younger players He's always celebrating behind them what, Wishing them to do best Yeah,
0: yeah and, and, it, to, and, he mean, ge- and he gelled and linked everything up In course, what was a fantastic performance From the front three mm. In particular yesterday I thought Saka, Lady Lacazette were all brilliant Yeah, 10 out of 10 Having, having said that, let's dive into the tactics section
1: Righty, uh, time to dive into the Costa's tactics section.
0: Um, off your trot. I know that you look forward to this bit. Absolutely, every week, you know? yeah. You know, it's my time to I'll shine. i sit in silent, and you go. Home. No, 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 no. Without sort of each other. I mean, with Arsenal, there's not much to say. It was, it was a fairly classic four-two-three-one. Mm. We pressed in a four-four-two, and we built out in a 2-3-5 with Xhaka and Tomiyasu either side of Partey. Saka holding the width on one side, Tiena on the other side, and then Martinelli and Odegaard either side of Lacazette. Mm -hmm. So that they're your front five. And we also saw this tactic that we've seen since Everton away where Martinelli becomes the nine and Lacazette becomes the left number eight and they kind of switch. Um, But we didn't see that too often, but it, it was there for a bit well, of flexibility. So Lacazette was always
1: dropping, especially even on the ball, Lacazette was dropping into those pockets where he actually had lots of space and he had Martinelli running in from, from his left I mean, side.
0: I mean, we saw that for the goal, but it yeah. wasn't so much no, Martinelli uh, starting no. central, it was Martinelli running across Lacazette as he's dropped in. It's a fairly similar tactic. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I, ju- I think Lacazette, as he always do, drops into that
1: space. Yeah, of course. almost becomes that number 10 slash number 8. Yeah. And he does really
0: well. He's beautiful at it. His yeah. touch is superb I and mean, he, is he brings the play in. Play. Yep. But it's good to see that actually Lacazette and Marcelli are g- gaining some some, some uh, chemistry when it comes to movement and, and alternating between zones with each other because we've now seen two goals scored in the last few games where it's come from the Lacazette and Marcelli interchange to the one away at Everton where Odegaard scored. That, if you watch it back, all comes from Lacazette and Marcelli swapping positions. Mm. And then the space is 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 left for Odegaard to drift into because Martinelli's pushed the back four-back yeah. and Lacazette's played the ball out to Tierney. And it was similar in the sense that Martinelli's made a run in beyond Lacazette and he dropped deep and yeah. threaded a lovely through ball into him. Yeah, and even leaves space for...
1: You've seen that Odegaard's goal record is improving and it just gives Odegaard a chance to pop in, make a late run into the Absolutely, box... Absolutely, yeah. And get a little finish going.
0: Right, so... In terms of Arsenal, I mean, we can we can delve into player performance in the player ratings, and once we talked about West Ham a bit, but there's not much more to add from what we've already talked about numerous times on this podcast. So let's dive into what West Ham did because I was not surprised, but actually quite enjoyed watching what they did because mm-hmm. it was it was different. It was something that I feel like a lot of people might use on FIFA, like a FIFA tactic. Mm. So on paper, they were a four two three one, but really at no point in the game were they a 4-2-3-1 so when they built out from the back they they, they, they played a 3-4-3 three, three. so what would happen is the two centre-backs would split really wide and Declan Rice would, would become the third centre-back but yeah. in the middle of a back three mm. and then you'd have Suchek and whoever was meant to be the number 10 so I think it was four nows as the two in midfield and the full-backs become wing-backs so there's your 3-4 and then you've got Bowen, Antonio and Lanzini sort of a narrow front three type thing because yeah. the full-backs can then bomb on. So actually when they built out, you could say it's a three-two-five, quite similar to what Chelsea do, but just different in the sense that Rice drops in between two centre-backs. Mm. And what that allowed was Declan Rice basically to pick up the ball and then also... If there was no pass on, just drive but through the middle so of the pitch, and he's well. so good at it. And then it becomes a four. Then it becomes a four-three-three three, actually, mm. because they're in the three-four-three. Three, the two midfielders that they're, they're, they're quite wide, which allows Rice to basically drive and become a six or step in yeah. and become what like David Luiz was for Chelsea, like a libero centre back mm. in the middle of a back three, which is really, really. He's so good at it. It's so impressive to watch. So it, it's, it's. Basically, Declan holds the transition between being a back three and a back four. And it's, I remember when we were doing that sort of thing under Mikel at the beginning of his era in a completely different way, but we'd flip between three and four at the back. Yeah. And it looked really kind of like over overtrained and overworked. Because Declan Rice is so naturally good at driving the ball over 10, 15 metres, yeah. it's just fluid and it just works. I mean, West Ham didn't have much going for them, but what no, he they did didn't. have, I was always scared when
1: Declan got on that ball because he, he seemed to be able to every time run 15, 20 yards without
0: really much going against him. Absolutely, and that's sort of like due to the fact that it's hard to to mark a player because you don't want to then overcommit and, and press yeah. on a third centre-back because then you're leaving the space and behind the midfield player can drop in, whether that's Suchek or Fornals and pick up a pocket, so you kind of sit off, but then that gives him the space, and he's got the ability to just drop a shoulder and drive for a bit. Yeah, I mean, he's almost
1: Yaya and the fact that he's just this big range, and, a deeper and, yeah, exactly. Ranger, and yeah. he just strides with the ball, and it, he seems impenetrable.
0: Yeah, so then you had Suchek to the right, and Lanzini, uh, now sorry, to the left, and Suchek, what I've known, I mean, I've always thought this, he's not there to play football, he's there to run box to box, put tackles in. I mean, if he gets the ball, he just lays it off five yards. Yeah. And he, he, he's not very good at football, but he's like a Fellaini in the sense that he's box-to-box midfielder that doesn't get on the ball, but he's there to make tackles as he's running up and down. Mm-hmm. And from a set piece, he's a massively good threat. Yeah, And he can arrive to the edge of the box and get shot off, not that he did in and this match. I think he got 11 Premier League goals last season. Yeah, before. exactly. So he he's a threat, and that's kind of how Moyes uses him. Mm. And then... Yeah, so then you had Nows dropping in to play sort of left number eight or left of a pivot, double pivot with Suchek when they had Rice in a back three. But also what I noticed was that Nows and Lanzini would rotate quite a lot. Yeah. So the left wing or the left forward and the left number eight would rotate in between themselves and they leave lead the left channel just to Masuaku who did nothing in it, with it. Yeah, But that, that but seemed that, to be... That forward line is really
1: dangerous for West Ham. They're, they're always really fluid transition. Land Even Antonio can be on the
0: right and, and play Absolutely, okay. yeah. And Boeing can play up front and on the right. So yeah. they got fluidity. And I mean, I watched Mikel's press conference afterwards and he said that, that West Ham are a tricky team to, to, to tactically prepare for because they have so many solutions in mm. so many phases. And I think he's probably talking about the build-up phase with Rice being able to do two roles in that phase, and then he's also talking about you know the rotation between Fornals and Lanzini, yeah, making it hard for our midfielders to pick up on on their midfielders because they're quite nippy and zippy. Yeah, especially when you've got Antonio, who's an absolute
1: tank up top and can up top and can take two men out of the game with his yeah. with the strength. I and mean, when you've got
0: late runners in Fornals, Lanzini, and Boat, yeah, they can all, all do the trick. But they they really, I was quite impressed. I mean, not with their attacking threat; they were rubbish. Mm. But with the tactical setup and the fluidity with the potential of I mean it's what they've been doing all season so they we know they're good at they're good at it. Yeah. And they just had an off game and we mm-hmm. were good yesterday. We were really good yesterday. Yeah. But they they their defensive shape was also a four four two. So suddenly Rice would step in mm. and then you'd have a double pivot with Sucek, and then four Nows would go left midfield. Bowen right midfield and then the number 10 sorry Lanzini would be left midfield and Bowen right midfield and the number 10 in four now is would then press as a second striker yeah. as, as most teams do these days pressing a 4-4-2 mm. Fantonio their, their press was quite it was like a half press they didn't really press onto us massively they kind of sat off us in a mid block and wanted to wait for a sloppy pass or a sloppy yeah. touch which there were a few of them. they pounced on them I think Gabriel yeah. had a few dodgy dodgies yeah I can think of Volgaard playing it to Jacker and Xhaka kind
1: of just like not, not really, real, um, yeah, and that gave Bowen a good chance, and Roundell a bit of a theatrical. And, save. and we
0: have quite a slow build-out phase. You know, we're really patient. We build mm, out. And yeah. That's how Mikel wants us to play. So it's quite interesting that Moy set West Ham up to do that because I've seen them high press a, a lot this season, yeah. West Ham, they didn't do that, which overall works in our advantage because we're really good at playing out from the back now yeah. with Mikel But it's interesting that they thought that could be a weakness.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're. I think we're especially good with that half press because we just sort of, White and Gabriel just playing it to each other, side to side, just waiting for an opening. Yeah. And without that panic, I think sometimes when when well, you saw when we played against Liverpool at Anfield, when something goes wrong, we sometimes we've got a young team and we almost panic. Shake. And, yeah. And so they gave us the opportunity
0: to just take our time, but also find uh, find the right areas to penetrate them. Absolutely, I agree. And the last thing I wanted to say was that. West Ham is such a threat from set pieces, yeah, and we we dealt with it fairly well. I thought. I thought there yeah. was one where they they always do these in swinging set pieces right on the goal line. They scored two or three almost direct corners this, yeah. this this season, but there was one and Ramsdale dealt with it well, and the defense cleared their lines quite well. So I was I was quite impressed of our setup from set pieces yeah, yesterday. Actually. I mean, Tommy Asu
1: really good in the air. Gabrielle's always had that about him. He's a bit of a, a beast. Uh, oh, we
0: does... we I saw that we won. I mean, we could sit with my eyes in the stadium, but mm. I saw the statistics afterwards. We won every every single member of our back four won every single aerial due. So I think Tommy Asu won five out yeah. of five. Both centre halves won two, two, out two, out two out of two, yeah. and Tierney won three out of three. I think. Yeah. So really, really impressive. And then I think the only other thing to mention is when West Ham went down to ten men. They put Antonio right back. Didn't yeah. trust Harrison Ashby, who I lived mm. with. Oh, really? In a bit, yeah. It's quite exciting to see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he came on. He was actually quite good when he came on. Yeah. He was making lots of runs in beyond, and he looked secure on the ball, so that was good. But no, they put Antonio right back, and then Bowen up front. Mm. And we, for some reason, sat off again when we were one the up. We always missed the that. penalty. I mean, I think should... That's that's the, for me the number one um, cause of concern because I thought in the attacking phase. The link-up play between midfield and attack was un- unbelievable mm. yesterday. It was some of the best football we played all season, but there was just that ten minutes after yeah. Soufal got sent off where. I was slightly worried that we'd sat back. Yeah, and it's
1: happened a lot of times. It happened when we were one or two one up. Sorry, at, at the Emirates against Tottenham, uh, and Lamela got a second yellow, and then suddenly they had they not penetrated us all game. and Suddenly they had chance after chance. We just sit off and listen them. It's an attitude forward, thing. I mean, it's a pride thing just as seem well. We like we don't know what
0: we're doing. We sit, we sit off. We get scared. So it's... I mean, I guess there's two arguments. I guess one is it's an, an anxiety, attitude, pride thing where we're not strong enough and. Mentally, to just go. No, we're going to keep on. Go-. You yeah. see how Liverpool just keep on yeah. going, keep on going with Ruthless. their with their press, and City keep on going yeah. with the patterns of passing that, yeah. that they that they play with. We sort of haven't got that that level of nerve yet, which we yeah. need to develop. I guess the other side of the argument is that we've finally sort of grasping a, a sturdy back four that we're starting to trust. Yeah. So maybe the offensive players are sort of thinking, Do you know what? If I take a breather for ten minutes, yeah. the back four can cling us out of this. Yeah. I mean, which they. I- they do, but it's
1: still... It's not the
0: right attitude. It's not
1: the right attitude. I and mean, then anything ha- can happen when they're looping balls into
0: it. Yeah, you, you, you're you giving the onus to the opposition and over a course of a season, you're going to drop points exactly. by having that mentality. Especially when they've got the likes of Antonio, Suchek, Rice, that can all win a header. Yeah, and you get that throughout the Premier League with physicality within teams and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, of course.
1: At time for player ratings,
0: who would you rate your three best players of the night? So I thought our front three was superb. I thought they were on flames. Mm. So third best, I'll go Martinelli, I thought. I'm thinking he's starting to get some security on the ball and his passing and movement and his first touch is improving, which means that all the fancy, tricky, exciting stuff is worth it because he can get involved in build-up play now. So it's his best run of form, in my opinion, in Arsenal show. I'm really happy with his performances. I mean, the first touch and the pace... Get in beyond the back four from Lacazette's through ball, and the Mm. finish was lovely. His link on his link on his link up play was superb. And there's a couple of moments where he's absolutely ripped some of the West Ham. I don't know who it was, but he's rolled the ball through one of the players. Yeah, he's kind of dragged it back back in through. I would give Gabby a eight and a half out of ten. I'd I'd even say that, so I should give him a nine, my friend. Okay, well, I I wouldn't dispute that either. You're you're not not asking the question, so oh, uh. yeah, there we go. (laughs) Um, second place. I'll go Lacazette. I, he, for me, I mean, he was our best player, but I'm going to give him a second because he missed the penalty. Mm-hmm. And I want to be harsh on somebody that I rate really highly. Yeah. So, I mean, he was superb. His link-up play. The sk- I mean, he absolutely sent Dawson to the clean. about mm. four times in that match. Some of the skills and the touches mm-hmm. to get round his players and drive and the through balls, the assist from Arsenelli was lovely. His There was a the first touch in the first half. Where he had no right to even attempt to control the ball. And it's yeah. just got the ball under his feet between two West Ham players in the tightest of areas yeah. and rolled it the other way. Oh. And then played the ball out to Saka. And it's just, it's criminal how good at football he is. Yeah, and um, he, sorry, I, I even thought that he,
1: he was going past players. which he's He was, he was driving past he's not, players. He's not a man with pace, but, or not in abundance anyway. But he was committing them, dropping a he shoulder was, yeah, and just burning them. He had them on toes, he sent for, for kebab. Especially
0: anyway, Dawson. It was so good to watch. Yeah, Dawson, massive as well, I'm which we'll give, get into, had a... I'm, yeah, Masiwaki a had a blind, we'll get into that in mm. a minute. Um, so I'll give Lacazette a 92 we're um, um, gonna go fancy specific? here because okay. you know I would have given him a nine point five, at the penalty miss. Okay, um, I don't mind it. It wasn't a good c- coming in in first place, even though I, you know, he was a superb. Bukaya Saka. Oh yes. he's, he's he's finally come into the form of last season now, absolutely. isn't he? Yeah, he absolutely annihilated after Masuaku. Yeah, <laughs> it's it was... just what was he playing at Masuaku? I
1: yeah. mean,
0: stepovers, chops, nutmegs. <sighs> It reminded me, who was that Swansea player that had Callum Chambers on the
1: ropes? Oh, Remember? Quintero. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was that kind of game, man. <laughs> we're going all the way back to 2015, you yeah. guys. <laughs> what a fucking player. Um, he was Colombian as well, wasn't he? No, he was Ecuadorian. Oh, my bad. Yeah. 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 Um, what a player,
0: though. But yeah, it was that kind of game. as just Masuaki wanted none of it. And West Ham were defending quite narrow as well. So it gave Saka a lot of space, especially on Saka's side. Yeah, absolutely, it just, yeah. They couldn't handle it. We him. always had that pass on, and it was always just a one-on-one
1: with Matsuwa. Sometimes and they were going two-on-one. He and was it, still it, ripping both it, players. Yeah, they did. They they clocked onto it, and I think that's almost what allowed that second goal to go in. And it's just you saw Saka driving, driving with the ball.
0: You see two players go towards him because he's such a comes inside. They both been commit the spaces yeah. there. rowe that was a lovely transition goal. It really was. Um. So. Who would you say your worst player of the
1: night was? I'm going to be honest here. I'm mm. going
0: to be a bit boring and negative. I thought Kieran Tierney was atrocious yesterday. So do I. <laughs> a- he was just so... <laughs> <laughs> Apart from that he wonder did, shot. He did... Uh, yeah, but... Oh, man, I mean... I honestly think he was so- that himself. But, um, <laughs> His first touch was so bad. His done. passing was... He. I mean, I talk about detail, of pass. You want to always play to the, you, your teammates' back foot. You want them to receive the ball mm. in the right position so that they can turn out. And you can keep. Because it, it it's important for the second and the third pass and the fourth yeah. pass in the sequence. If you've got a player that can only use one foot, and that foot not very well either when they're passing short range, and he's playing. The, there was one instance where you played it down the line about five metres to the left of Gabriel, yeah. and Gabriel then put Ramsdale under pressure with a dodgy yeah, pass. Absolutely. You play that into Gabriel's right foot, you can control it on his right foot and play it across the pitch into Ben White and yeah. went out. It's just really little details and I mean, I simple think stuff as well. The whole team was.
1: Well, apart from Tierney, were really technically sound and looked on a really good level. I and mean, then Tierney was just like. And there's just. You know, he's going Whenever out. the
0: ball comes to him, can <laughs> he just, just smash it. He fucking There was one time and where he all just dis- yeah. behind. He's like, Yeah, get yeah, out, get, now, get now, in there, my, now. my sp- <laughs> Oh, what a plonker. No, but honestly, because there was one ball which came across the pitch that he just intercepted. Mm. And. I mean, me and my dad both just started creasing because he just smashed it <laughs> Yeah, the <laughs> pitch. No, no, no I was just the saying, pitch.
1: take a touch, man. Yeah, and my so... dad
0: was like, you know, any player with a bit of like his technical ability would have just inked pin-dush. over the player, yeah, yeah. taken a touch and gone around mm. him. I mean, we don't want to take touches in dodgy areas, but you also don't want to be smashing the ball 50 yards yeah. whenever you're under a bit of pressure. I mean, and... What Tierney did off for last season, and what
1: he's really good at is bursting past the player, and he does he puts a really. He, in, he's still really good at that, and he's still he is, doing that game
0: after game, which is why he's getting away with the dodgy touches but and that. He's passing. not
1: doing that as much because last last season our only way to score a goal was give it to Tierney, he bursts past the yeah. player, puts it in the mixer, and and to see what happens. Best. Yeah,
0: but now we've got more. We're not so. over We've got more of a variety. Tactic, yeah. We've, yeah.
1: We we play to the we play to the right side, which is unheard of for the. I know because when you got
0: Saka holding the whip, well, oh exactly, gosh.
1: and so if if. I don't think he's a bad player, but I think he needs. To, you, you could even see that Jacob got really frustrated with him at one point. There was,
0: yeah, he just wasn't making that angle. He wasn't yeah, going forward. Yeah. But also, Jacob can't move his hips and can't receive the ball correctly either. But well, of that's course, another that's a story for another day. Don't want to get into that. Mm. But yeah, no, it's true. There was a moment where Jacob yeah. they had an argument because basically Tini didn't didn't. Didn't open his body up To receive He's a lot more reluctant To go forward To, to put a ball in and um, Yeah so
1: he's not Offering too much At the moment I think No I mean
0: it wasn't disgraceful performance no. But it's just one of those Things where we need to Talk about it Because it's happening Week after week Absolutely But then I, I can't say That Nuno Tavares is, is, is bringing much more Security on the ball No absolutely not So you know We've got two excellent Left backs At the same thing Yeah We haven't got a left back That can just be secure And build up phase Yeah Anyway who would you say your three best West Ham players are? We'll just go, we'll just go for one because there, okay. there, there weren't three. Fair part. enough. We'll go for um, one. We'll go for Declan Rice. thought he was outstanding yeah. moving the ball f- through the phases. He was the only player playing with the, the, the right level of intensity for that type of match. I thought West Ham were underwhelming
1: mm.
0: and I thought that he was the only one that... He would, didn't have a fantastic game, but I thought at the level of a London derby or two teams going for a Champions League spot, he was the only player performing at that level for them. Exactly. So we're back with the quiz. Last week we didn't do it because Lo wasn't here, but I thought, despite Lo not being here again, we crack on with it because mm. it's one of the most enjoyable parts of. Absolutely, um, I'm yet to perform in a quiz, and um, so we th- I'm hopeful to show my colours. Let's put Raf's knowledge to the test, guys. So the first question is: Can you name three players to play for both West Ham and Arsenal? I'll give you a little switch, you
1: know? yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay.
0: All
1: right wait on our hands. Do I have a little time again or? Yeah, yeah, we sort of in, in
0: like 30 seconds, okay. 45
1: seconds. Oh, I'm not performing to my best already. But...
0: <laughs> gonna have to push you for timing, mate Yeah. Or oh, I'm gonna have to ask no! the second question now. You're gonna have you can you can still think about it during okay. the time that I asked the other questions. Second question. Mm. Name all the Arsenal captains in the Premier League era that that okay. haven't been stripped of the captaincy or Force an exit. This is gonna be your hard question of the okay. three. You've had your medium one, the easy one comes last. Okay. Going in a unorganised order. I like it. Um
1: confirmed captains, right?
0: As in not yes. just a No, Yeah, no, no. it'll be tricky.
1: Uh okay. Give you a bit longer for this one. Is there a number? How many are there? Give you a clue. Mm. A six. Is it in the Premier League era? Yes.
0: I'm gonna give you another another thirty seconds to a minute. Feeling confident? No.
1: <laughs> I've come with something now.
0: All right. Well, we're gonna go for your third question now. Mm-hmm. It's a true or false. Yeah. Did Leeds beat Arsenal three-two at Highbury in the third last game of the O two O three season? And did they kill our title chances? Of what season? 2002-2003 season. Uh-huh. Okay. Just Thank a true you. or false?
1: I believe that our title chances were finished before then. So really? I'm going to go with false. Okay, then. Could be zero for three so
0: far, but will no <laughs> Right, have you got your answers ready? Is that all the questions? Yeah. We're finished. Yeah. So, I'm now going to be asking Raph... For his answers for the quiz. Yeah. So, can you name three players to play both for Arsenal and West Ham? I regret to say that I can't. Only, <laughs> oh, I've, surely I've, not. I've only got two. Right. I've got, Tell me your two. I've got Jack Wilshere and Fabian so far. Right. I'm going to give you 20 seconds to think of okay. another player. Okay. All I'm going to say is right back. Cult hero at Arsenal. <laughs> Callum Chambers. No, yes. <laughs>
1: no. Ten, no I, I know what you mean though. Five. Oh yes, up the gun! Up the what is it, gun. Jenkins? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All
0: right, you got a point for that, right? That one out of one. What can we do? Okay. You know we are generous on this podcast. Yeah. Give me all the Premier League Arsenal captains that haven't been stripped or forced an exit okay. in their era of captaincy. Right. Uh, I believe that I've got four,
1: and I've just put random ones in for the. Okay. For the no worries. I've got Adams. One. I've got Mikel. Two. I've got Vieira. Three. I've got Henri. Four. Got Campbell. Uh, no. I didn't think he captained us. Uh, I think he, he. Well, he did, but a I, like I wasn't vice sure, captaincy and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and I've gone for Lee Dixon, which I don't think is. Yeah. Dick <laughs> has that, got it. No. Re- actually, my third one I went So you've got, you
0: got four. The two yeah. that you're missing mm. are Tommy Gunn, Thomas Van Arlen, oh, and think, yeah. our um, academy manager, Per Mertesacker. Was it,
1: you know, I thought he was about, captain for
0: two years before Koscielny. Was he? See, yeah. I thought Saka and I thought He It went Arteta-Mertesacker-Koscielny. Cicci- uh, Arteta, was he not stripped off Saka then? No, no, no. He retired after the FA Cup final. The whole Murta Saka FA Cup final against Chelsea. Was Koscielny only
1: uh, captain after that? Yeah. Really? Fair yeah. Enough. But
0: because know. Mertesacker was injured for most of his two years of captaincy, Koscielny being the vice-captain yeah, wore the be armband a lot. Fair enough. Okay, so one out of two. Last question: True or false? Did Leeds beat Arsenal three-two at Highbury? God in the f- third last game of God the three-season. to say it's true. Oh yeah. no! I can't question. remember his name, but there was a there was a striker for Leeds who who scored, and he was a he's a weird little player, but he always pops up with big goals against mm. us. I need to find out his name actually. It would have been a weird thing for you to make up had it been false. To be fair, yeah, just I don't know just why it false. Well, I just thought it would be... Anyway. Anyway, I've come out 2-1 victorious, but it it all goes to nothing because it's just a little spin-off one-off quiz. So I enjoyed that. Right, so we're back with a Whatever Happened To" section, a traditional version of this section rather than an update on the previous two matches, as was the case in the last episode. So, Mm. sticking with the theme of players to have played both for Arsenal and West Ham... Yeah. I've done some research on Davos Suka. Okay. Ex-Yugoslavian slash Croatian international. Yep. He started his youth career at a team called Ossijek, and then went on to Dynamo Zagreb in Croatia, and then played the majority of his career in Spain, five years at Sevilla, three years at Real Madrid, where he won the Champions League and La Liga. And then Wenger Wenger saw saw, saw him, liked him, signed him in 99, only stayed with us for one season... Made 22 appearances, scored eight goals. Not the worst return in the didn't world. didn't know he played for the Arsenal for And then Wenger had enough of him after one season. Then he went to West Ham for one season, played 11 games, scored two goals. Okay. He was... I'm just trying to see what position he was, guys. He was a striker. He was a striker. Well, that would make sense strong. with his goal record, because mm. he scored quite a few for Madrid. 38 yeah. goals and 86 appearances. Mm. Seventy six and one hundred and fifty three appearances for Sevilla, so he had quite a good career in Spain. He was highly rated and stuff. Yeah, and I think that he was part of a Croatian World Cup team that came third in ninety eight mm. in the one Little that France fact, won. He had an eighty eight
1: rated legend card in FIFA. Oh, did that's he? Why I know he's a striker. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. Low oh, will love
0: that one. He will because you know if anyone didn't know, Low is absolutely addicted to FIFA. He yeah. loves a bit of FIFA. Spends uh, an unfortunate. Lowell, we put of money we on. put this challenge to you by. Or find or sign David Suka, Davo Suka. I know, but you know, what are you doing, man? I know it's just disrespectful <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, after West, so he was only at West Ham for a year, and then he went to 1860 Munich, not even Bayern Munich. Mm. Um, but no, that he won the Golden Boot in in the 98 World Cup with Croatia coming third. So I see. He's a, he was actually decent, mate. He just didn't really do it for Arsenal. Right, no, um, the us. You know, he scored six goals in seven matches, and he won the Silver Ball was the second best player after the real Ronaldo R9. Wow. So, you can see why Wenger signed him. I don't really know what went wrong at Arsenal and at West Ham for him, but basically after that tournament, his career kind of went downhill. Mm. But he was named as Croatia's golden player, came third in the FIFA World Player of the, um, of the Year Awards in 98. Don't know, they, they had the Ballon d'Or in 98, didn't they? they did. I'm not sure if he, he... He probably would have come quite high up, I'm guessing, in those rankings. Anyway, why... Why I really wanted to speak about him is because of his post-retirement antics. He's quite oh, a controversial really? figure. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the positive thing he's done is he's established his own school of football entitled the David Suka Soccer Academy, which is I'm an like, original name. Right? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. got training camps spread out all over Zagreb and several other Croatian uh-huh. cities. However, the negative things that he's done since his career is finished, you uh-huh. know, there's quite a few controversial. Actually, some of the things he did. During his career, so in 1996, oh, wow. mm. in the company of two very well-known Croatian criminals, oh. um, he posed for a picture at the at the gravesite of a Croatian fascist dictator and genocide perpetrator. Well, maybe this is... Called pa- Poglavnik Ante Pavelic. That's not good for No, me it's him. not. And I, and when, I, when I was going to say,
1: maybe this is what Papa Veng realised that...
0: And hence he's, he's why found he shipped out shipped off to West Maybe
1: he's found out a bit late to the party... Uh, but he's had enough because um, um, you'd be
0: thinking that Wenger wouldn't be having any of that with his cultural well, in- yeah. installations. He's an arsenal. ethical
1: man. I think maybe he found out about it and shipped him off to. I reckon uh, that was the case to the east
0: of London. Cheers, Pepper Wings. Mm. Anyway, many a year later, in two thousand eleven, he was fined for stealing antique coins left over by another passenger on an aeroplane. <laughs> Instead of reporting his findings and handing in the coins, he decided to give them to his girlfriend, who then. Mm. In turn tried to, to sell them oh so there's another sort of dodgy thing and then finally yeah in 2015 the croatian journalist association accused suka of preventing freedom of information and for physically blocking journalists from reporting and doing their work really so prolific striker but a bit of a bit of a, an arsehole of, outside, of, outside not, of the football career yeah
1: So in this week's episode, we're not going to do the Premier League roundup uh, just because we're halfway through the game week and uh, not enough games have been played, especially with a few of them being postponed. Instead, we're going to talk about the controversial captaincy, about who's the future of it, the different players
0: available for it and who's going to take it in the end. And the sort of the characteristics that, that one's required to have to, to be the captain of Arsenal. and I don't want to be Neanderthal and say, you know, you've got to be shouting and screaming and lead and stuff yeah. like that. And there's an element of that. You also have to be fun, like Aubameyang was, and, mm. and inspiring, but yeah, also liked. you have to just set the standards. And as Mikel always says, and I couldn't agree more, you have to set the non-negotiables and meet every single one of them every day and never be late and never miss a meeting and... Do the right things in the right places to set set an example for younger players and for everyone else in the squad. So we're going to go through the sort of the candidates for the role. And I know we've discussed it briefly in the matchday experience section, but I thought we'd go over it in more detail. Actually, before we just get in, into the real conversation, I just wanted to say that there was this guy sitting next to me in the match yesterday and he was a bit of a funny guy I think he had a few too many pints but mm. basically every time anything happened he'd go yeah that's, that's the only reason why he can't have the captaincy the only reason the only <laughs> reason <laughs> so there was, uh, in the first half in the top corner of the pitch um, there was a big brawl and all the Arsenal West Ham players were having a little scrap yeah. and the only player that couldn't run up was Ramsdale uh-huh. and he, he taps me on the shoulder and he goes yeah it's the only reason he can't be the captain the <laughs> only reason he can't split up the pitch get involved with things like that <laughs> And then in the second half, Martinelli got injured uh-huh. and he must have thought it was Tierney because Martinelli was on uh-huh. the floor and he's gone and he's tapped me again. And he's gone, yeah, it's the only reason he can't be captain. <laughs> <"No>, he's <laughs> too injury prone, that lad. Is and good then about five point. minutes later, he's gone, oh, what was it Martinelli? And <laughs> I thought it was Tierney. <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah. Every fan has their own opinion. So I'm asking yeah. you of yours. Who do you think's the best candidate?
1: I would give it to Martin God. Would you?
0: I would you wish. actually? Oh, in- enlighten me. Go on. Captain well, I
1: I, th- I think he's captain of Norway. Uh, he's been captain for a couple of years now. He's I mean he's he's still 23, but he's been he's been playing professional football since he was 16. So it's not like he's new to the game. True. And I just think he's I think Mikel loves him. I think he's going to be stale in our in our team. Uh, one of the first names on a team sheet, actually. I think he's liked, he speaks lots of different languages, he can communicate. He does, he's very intelligent. I think he's going to be at Arsenal for, for a while. He's just signed a, five. What, a five-year five contract. And I would give it to Lacazette if I knew more about his contract
0: situation, but I'm still unsure as to whether he's going to stay. I, um, if Lacazette gets a two-year contract extension, it's Lacazette. And that, I think that works perfectly because then the vice-captain will be ready to be the captain absolutely. in two years' time. yeah. But I'm not sure they're going to give it to him. I think that they're
1: still trying to give it to Inketia. Balligan has just signed a new contract. What you and, mean
0: the role of the of centre forwards? Yeah, exactly. Rather than the captaincy. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, mean, I don't it's think. Ed, Ed Eddie Ed was Ed captain. actually a front runner for it. Yeah, he's <laughs> secretly, you know, behind the scenes <laughs> working wonders. <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: no, not quite. But I agree. I think if Lacazette does get that ca- a new deal, then he will be captain. I think that almost by by default because he's. He, with what's happened with the Aubameyang, he's going to be our star- uh, striking st- starting striker and he's got that experience. And
0: No, I think that's agreed. I, I, I think we're in agreement that if Lacazette gets the two-year contract that we want him to get, then that's him as captain for two years. You get a strong vice-captain in there with the lead gr- leadership group, etc. Yeah. I mean... We spoke about this actually on the last podcast. Very clearly our leaders were David Luiz and Xhaka last season. Jacques is still a leader for us right now. We got rid of Luiz. is not allowed to be captain de facto officially. Captain. He is de facto captain, if we're being honest. But besides from that, I mean, I kind of agree with Odegaard, but then it's hard because you don't know behind the scenes who's a leader, who does things correctly or not. On the pitch, Odegaard presses from the front, so mm-hmm. he leads in that sense, but I'm not sure he necessarily galvanises the group of players together which isn't like it isn't the primary only isolated thing you need but you do need it you do need somebody to motivate you on the pitch with that voice but maybe he does because he presses from the front so much
1: yeah, I well I think that's I actually think that's a bit of an overrated trait that people think that a captain needs to have.
0: No, it is I, I overrated, think, but I, it is important.
1: It is important, but I think it's more about setting those setting those standards, being a staple in the team, pressing from the front, abiding by those non-negotiables which Arteta puts uh so much faith in and talks about so much. I um, agree. No.
0: The only my only thing about Odegaard is whether he's a starter at the moment. I mean, we've sort of got Martinelli, Odegaard, mm. Smith Rowe and Saka fighting for three or four places. Yeah. And I'm not sure whether he's going to be in the team every week and you I, I just kind of want my captain to be a, a, a certified starter every week. And therefore s- spirit-wise, you know, Tierney's a candidate, but then I don't think somebody that isn't, you know, secure enough in the technical side of the game, you know, that's not setting the non-negotiable standards for this football club on the pitch. I mean, I'm sure he does everything right off the pitch. Yeah. I get that sense of his character that off the pitch, he's, he's a really good candidate. So I'm, I mean, I'm, and I know Tin will be inside that leadership group. I then think Gabrielle's a great candidate, but he doesn't speak English well enough, yeah. probably. So there's there all these no, things. There that, are no perfect solutions. I think that with that contract, Lacazette could be as
1: close to perfect as it gets.
0: I mean, we're not just saying give Lacazette the contract so that we can have a solution to the, no, the leadership problem. I mean, I think Lacazette should have, a two- I think he's going in, he's had from last season, I think for another two, one, two years, it's going to be his best years of his footballing career. He mm. just looks like the all-round number nine at the moment. Yeah. So I would give him a two-year contract and then also sign a young striker and offload a Bamyang. That's a separate conversation, but I do agree with you, I think. Lacazette on a two-year contract, make him permanent captain, give Gabriel or Odegaard vice captaincy, create a leadership leadership group, including Xhaka and Tierney and yeah. Ramsdale in that as well. And then you've got a lovely sort of um, basis of, of leadership within the club. Mm, and one that can transition into
1: when Lacazette does, does eventually leave us, uh, Odegaard or whoever it may be will be
0: more ready for the job. Absolutely. No, I agree. Thanks for listening to this instalment of the Left on Red podcast. Thanks again to Raph for filling in for Lowell. He always gives great insight and great views on the Arsenal. We always appreciate him coming on. Everybody out there, take care. Try and avoid this Omicron variant. Hopefully we'll all get through it together. Come on, you Gunners. And let's move on to Leeds and take another three points.